You're listening to the Burnham Society Podcast. I'm your host, Rowan Bristol, proprietor of Bristol Books. Bristol Books, located just under the Lunt L-Stop, where all your dreams of being a writer can be fulfilled. In short, I'll criticize your work, compare you to better authors, have sweaty teenagers compose fanfiction involving intimate relations between your characters and farm equipment, and not sell your book. At Bristol Books, we prize authenticity in the author experience. Tonight's podcast comes courtesy of the Burnham Society Board of Trustees, which provided us with our official Burnham Society podcasting desk. The desk is a marvel of old-school craftsmanship, constructed of fine mahogany and rich Corinthian leather. It's vast, ponderous, massive, and frankly not very practical. Just what you would expect from any fine Burnham product. Photos of this elegant monstrosity will be available at the website. The Burnham Society Board of Trustees, run by its ever-patient and infinitely compassionate executive, Christine Vale, is a proud, if bemused, sponsor of this podcast. Christine is just what you would expect from any Burnham board member. She is timeless, grouchy, and more than a little bit mad. She was pirated from her early days at the Society of Beatrice de Cenci, where she instructed impressionable young girls in the finer arts of patricide. Along with being a dangerous fencer, devious martial artist, and cold-calculating murderer, Christine enjoys touring with a historical folk band Tordillon. Have a listen at www.tordillon.net. Which brings us to today's topic, the Burnham Society. In order to understand the Burnham Society, one must first understand the history of private clubs and secret societies in Chicago, and specifically what they are for. Every organization, from the esteemed Union Club to the esoteric order devoted to the murder of Bartman the Goat, gets together for three things. Camaraderie, money, and food. I don't care if those hooded gentlemen promised you eternal dominion of the souls of the kids that bullied you in ninth grade. If they don't have a respectable cheese tray, don't join up. Society and club culture is the precursor to restaurant culture. After the Civil War, there emerged a class of people who were prosperous enough to afford the finer things in life, but not wealthy enough to have Michael Carlson on call 24-7. But with a pooling of resources, a group of people could not only have Michael Carlson, but a collection of fine liqueurs, comfortable seats, and even a swimming pool. Thus, club culture was born. There's nothing a rich person loves more than access. The higher the stakes, and the riskier the consequence, the better. Soon it became more than just an admission fee and a lien on your house. Contracts with demons, sorcerous rituals, and hangings, both simulated and actual, became the norm. In fact, the same hanging technique was shared between the Golden Truth Society and the Everlay Club with dramatically different purposes. To this day, to drink from the Everlay Slipper is both a sacred and a scandalous act. With the comfort and privacy that kind of access can buy, all sorts of foolishness took place behind the walls of Chicago's most elite clubs. Whether it's secretly campaigning for the Civil War, or the founding of at least three of the sacred schools of architecture, men armed with money, passion, and spectacular cheese trays plotted and schemed for their own benefit. And one of those groups, a group so secret it was never officially named, sought to make Chicago the center of the world. Listeners of previous podcasts know what happened in that story. Do I need to mention the dragon again? Suffice to say, with the incineration of that society and half the city, the world had lost one of the most legendary cheese trays in existence. 
After the blazing ruin of the Columbia Exposition, three members of that organization banded together to repair the mystical damage that had been inflicted on the city and the world. Representing the wealth, magic, and vision of the city, they sought to reclaim and return the magical artifacts and displaced entities that were brought into the Columbia Exposition and ensure that Chicago would be a shining beacon entirely on its own. The club, located a few blocks from the Museum of Science and Industry, was named after the great visionary that built not one, but two cities on Chicago's land. Daniel Burnham. Make no small plans is the motto above the hallowed doors of the erstwhile society, where for many years the rich and the spiritually inclined worked together to stem the tide of the eldritch powers of Colonel McCormack, the assemblage of the dark inspirations of the seasonal court, and the ichthyoid horrors summoned forth from the watery corpse of John G. Shedd. In a time of madness, mobsters, and monsters, the Burnham Society waged a secret war, armed with wit, sleeping powder, and the power of perceptual magic. Their deeds were legendary. Their dessert plate was the stuff of epic poems. Dragons and demons feared them alike, and they were proud to call Talafiara an enemy and Al Capone a friend. Time, tradition, and Richard Daly put an end to the more flamboyant pursuits of the Burnham Society. These days, only the top floor and the basement serve as the official clubhouse locations, with the rest of the space devoted to offices. You can still get a great meal there, if you know someone, but nothing compared to their Phoenix au grappe, or their poorly named but also delicious Troll on a Roll. Their public work is devoted primarily to keeping the history of Burnham and the exposition alive in the minds and imaginations of future generations. But deep in the basement, if you are full of pluck, hunger, and a desire to see the wonders of the 51st Ward, there is a man who still holds to the old traditions, who keeps an eye and ear out, and knows the best place for nine demon soup. There's magic afoot, and so much more to be explored. And that's all for now. I'll be back next week with more news, profiles, and how the rerouting of the Chicago River keeps us all safe from the monsters under our beds. Although I have no desire to sell you my books, we'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. You can reach us through the Burnham Society Facebook page at burnhamsociety.madeafail.net or email me at rowan.bristol at gmail.com. I will try to answer your questions. Until next week, remember that in a world where a cheese tray can change the universe, you are merely Velveeta. Farewell.